0: Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I'm your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you guys for another episode. The music that you're hearing, as always, is from my good friend, Ryan Allwart. Please make sure you check out his music if you haven't done so already. Hey guys, the conversation this week is one that I am super, super excited to share with you guys. My guest this week is Robin Dance, the author of a new book out right now called For All Who Wander. Why Knowing God is Better Than Knowing It All, and this is one of my favorite books that I have read in a while. A lot of you guys, if you've been listening, are familiar with my story where I lost a big faith mentor of mine a few years ago, and what happened after that was a period of doubt, anxiety, questions, just kind of all of the tough emotions that Christians often go through, especially when they face A time of tragedy like I went through, but at some point, we're we're prone to wander, as uh, you know we've we've heard before in songs and scripture. And this book is all about wandering with our faith, with our life, with our social community. And there's just so much truth to this book. And Robin does such a great job of telling her story anecdotally and sharing the examples that she's gone through and. I just know you guys are going to really love hearing from her. I hope you enjoy hearing her story, and I hope you guys leave this conversation feeling incredibly encouraged. So here's my conversation with author Robin Dance. Well, Robin, thank you so much for joining the show. I've been waiting so much to talk to you about this book. This book, I I felt at times that you were writing it directly to me. And I think mm. for me, that's one of the biggest compliments that I can give to an author. And I know, you know, for for any author, your hope is that just one person and at least one person will resonate with this book. And for all 215 pages of this book, I just kept nodding my head. And wow. uh, it was fun because even as I was reading, my wife was kind of making fun of me because I was nodding my head. <laughs> and uh, there's so much of this book that's highlighted. And I, I just, the book for all who wander, I mean, it's just, it's, about people that have gone through seasons of doubt and unbelief or uh, questions of faith, and that's something that you know people that have listened to this podcast regularly know is something that I've gone through. And uh, I just, how did you come up with this? Not, I guess not, not. I shouldn't say how did you come up with this, but how did you know this was the book that God was wanting you to write at this point?
1: What I love about my story is I didn't know I wanted to write this book. How's that for an answer? I was, um, I'm a longtime blogger, been, and I've ri- my background is PR and marketing. So I have been copywriting, ghostwriting, writing a lot, collateral marketing material for my entire career. And then I worked as a freelancer when I was home with kids. And so blogging was a very natural thing for me to do as time um, opened up in my life. And I was still home with the kids, but needed to be available to them because they were in school and couldn't drive and my husband worked 45 minutes away I was I was the taxi driver so blogging was a natural fit for me and that of course evolved into some other things and other opportunities so I have written for a site called Encourage that's Encourage with an I uh, Encourage.me which which is Springs uh, online community for women I've written for it for 10 years and so we have a, a really active commenting com- community. They're active in the social spaces. Um, some people in all three places, and I say all three, Instagram and Facebook and our blog, some people are loyal to one or the other. And so we know our community. We hear a lot from them. And I was approached by Dayspring and encouraged to write a book with the felt needs we felt from women in our community. The So the ideal reader is primarily a woman, right? But As I read their one sheet on it, they gave me um, the concept and and some possible ideas to go with this book. As I read it, I thought, there's no one else who should write this. This is my story. And so it felt like God was literally dropping something in my lap right before Christmas two years ago. Um, That's when they first started talking to me about it. And so, um, you know, we go through all the negotiation and, you know, contract and just the details of pulling it together. And I start writing Without a proposal, so it's backwards. The proposal came after um, after I had started writing, after I'd already agreed to work on this book. And what I realized about four or five chapters in, it wasn't quite what we had started out with and um, encourage was great. I worked with B and H publishing on this LifeWay and encourage and day spring. They gave me the freedom to go with it. I think, um, thankfully with after 10 years of writing for the site, they trusted that I was really seeking the Lord in, in this. And it was just a shift. We did address all of those felt needs that are pretty much not just universal to the encouraged community, but to humanity. It, you know, is really dealing a lot with identity and, your sense of worth and um have my previous choices or the previous circumstances of my life and hindrance to what God has for me in this season and so it started shifting just a bit towards uh, much more my personal story and that was a life of faith I, you know I'm a church girl my first memory in life and there's a fun story in the book if you remember the first chapter is about my first memory in life is in church and um so what happens to that churched person who knows all the right things to say and do and think and feel when she encounters doubt? And so it's that story of what is going on with God, I think, when we find ourselves in our humanity and our in our broken selves and our sinful natures that are still part of us as long as we're walking this earth. Um, what happens when God does what he does in, in that life? And it wasn't exactly what I thought. And so... That's how it came to be. I was asked to write a book. I wrote a slightly different version of that book. And I trust, I'm convinced that it was God's leading. And I, I tell you, Cole, just the fact it resonated with you and the feedback on it has been good. I am a, um, you know, I don't have huge platform. I write for some huge sites and I've had a, incredible opportunities in the blog world, but I'm still, I have, I'm not a published author. I've contributed to 10 books, but I haven't had my name on the spine. It's a huge difference. And um although it is not yet a broad reach, there, it is a deep reach with the people that it's um that have taken the time to read it, who have found their way to it. And it's blown me away that my story is actually one that I was afraid to put out there. Um it was hard for me to write about some of these things. It's embarrassing to write about <laughs> some of it. You know, I've kind of showed you some things I would really rather not have shown you, except I was really following the Lord. He, I mean. I don't hear audibly from God, so for me to say that is huge. It's very huge that this is a a body of work that I was wholly dependent on Him to do. So, long answer to a short question, but that gets you where no, how perfect. I, you know, how it came to be.
0: And there's, you know, this is something that this topic that you wrote about is something that I have, I have lived with, like I have probably since. Um, Fall of, 20, of 2016, of this idea of doubt and unbelief, it's going from literally being in the doubt, being in the pit of unbelief, being in the pit of yeah. questions and misery and anxiety and all this kind of stuff, to the point where I kind of like you, I felt very compelled. I need to start sharing this story. And I went through kind of similar, you mentioned how you don't have a huge platform. Well, that was a big struggle that I went through was that, I didn't go to seminary. I'm not, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm somebody who believes that they have an ability to write and I have a story, but I doubted myself for well over a year before I even decided publicly to, to pursue this book. And I wrote a blog about it, just basically saying like people hold me accountable. I'm saying, I'm going to do this. Like, and so I've been working on it and working on it and working on it. And so, you know, to hear you say like, you don't necessarily need a big platform and it's just a story that God has given you. And it's like, I think at, at the end of the book, you mentioned like, you know, this is me going first, you know, you yeah. can be, and what you mean by that is, you know, a lot of times like that's kind of what happens is like, I'm telling you my story and it gives you a, an encouragement to tell your story. And then it gives somebody else to share their story. And, you know, before we recorded, you were mentioning how like, um, you know, your story is your story and what most people care about most is their own story and kind of how your story affects with them. And, and so I think, you know, whenever you write a book like this, you're allowing people to say like, you know what? Like, I have these feelings too. And I, it's okay. I can sit with these feelings. I can take these feelings to God. And then now I feel compelled to share these feelings with I'm sure that there's a lot of people and maybe you went through periods of this where you mentioned like you kind of felt the shame by a lot of stuff in the book, but you probably didn't want to tell people I'm having these doubts. I'm having these questions and, I almost was probably I don't want to say embarrassing, but as a Christian, somebody who grew up in the church, it's hard to say, you know what? I'm having doubts. So I mean, what was that struggle like for you um, in those in the years that you were dealing with this to where man, I'm having these questions, I want to talk to somebody, but I don't know how to do it and I don't know who to talk to.
1: I would say I didn't do it well. Um, it is lonely. I don't know if you felt this way, but it is isolating. You feel like you're the only one because you know we're having this conversation right now but i went a lot of years where i wasn't having that conversation and you you don't feel like you have permission to do it you feel like you're in this great sin to be struggling with issues that other people don't seem to have everyone seems to have this picture perfect faith where they have it all figured out and they have no there's no doubt in their lives and and you know they may look at disdain with the stories in the bible that display doubt and some of the great um, patriarchs of faith. I mean, Abraham Abraham's a great example. Um, and so what do you do with it? You you suffer in silence, right? You suffer all alone. And what is really interesting to me is we are, it's a masquerade. We slap a smile on our face. We go through the motions of faith because that's what we've always known to do. And And yet there's a disconnect between what we actually believe and what we're professing or what we're living even. And so um, I did finally admit it to my husband and he was the first person that I said, you know, I was at a real, m- my tension with, um, my struggle with unbelief was like a teeter totter. It would go back and forth. I think we think it should be an either all kind of thing, either you're mm-hmm. fully in or you're fully out, but that's a lie. You know, I think it is more normal to wrestle with these things and it's certainly more honest to wrestle with it because don't you find, I mean, you worked for a church, um, wait did you work for a church no no you work as a journalist and i just totally (laughs) like thinking that's writing for a church it's absolutely not necessarily that's
0: (laughs) a newsroom is very different than a church let me say
1: that's (laughs) so funny that that just came out because that was me processing out loud really really um, sharp (laughs) you've got a wizard over here in this corner um no it is um okay and i totally lost my train of thought with that so let's just keep going and (laughs) uh, <laughs> pick it at something with a more salient
0: point. Well, what, one thing that I was thinking of, at least in my experience, you kind of get to a crossroads where you can decide, I'm either going to give all of these emotions to God and I'm going to go to God, or you're going to go the complete opposite way. Mm. And you're going to say, you know what, that's too much for me to understand. I can't. can't wrap my head around that and because i don't understand it i'm gonna just ignore it and so i don't know if you went through something similar and if you did what did that process look like to where you decided i'm taking these emotions and these feelings to god and i'm using it like you mentioned my your faith became stronger that's ultimately what my story is too is that i came out of it with a much stronger faith and you actually said i believe god was put me in this moment, uh, I, I kind of, I guess it's, at least that's what I got. God was putting you kind of through these, through these emotions to kind of refine you to Absolutely. make you stronger and you come out of it with a stronger faith. So I, I don't know if you went through the similar experience of me where you kind of got to that crossroads. And if so, I mean, what, what do you tell, what would you tell people, um, that maybe you're going through something similar to where they're kind of at that point where they decide they need to decide I'm giving this to God, or I'm just going to go the other way.
1: One, I I mean, there's so many things, you know, I want to tell the person who's in that position that I was in. And one is that your unbelief and your questions are okay. God can handle it. He is not threatened by it. You know, I see God, um, God is not linear when it comes to time. And so he knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. And so he knew that this would be part of my faith, right? And he's working in it. I'm convinced for the person who's in this struggle right now, that God is working in it. Um, He can use it ultimately for your good and his glory. Um, All of life is something that he can redeem. And so, you know, I see that season for me as something that was very broken and and sad. It was something, it, it is something I do grieve. And while I wouldn't want to relive it, I also praise God for it because I know that where I landed was a more true, more authentic faith without cultural baggage, without church baggage. We pick up subtle things from the the culture and the ethos of our own churches, our respective churches, or for our families of origin, or for, for our friendship groups or from the places we work. You know, we pick up so many things and there's, there's just a lot of noise online on the internet. We pick up, we pick up a lot of junk from the internet and, um, And so for me, it wasn't a a concrete decision where I can say that I made that decision that you're saying that whether I was gonna just give into all of the doubt and the question or look to God for it. I was always looking toward God for my answers. That doesn't mean I believed him, but it was where I oriented my thinking. Um, I wasn't trying to take the temperature of the room. I wasn't trying to look to the next celebrity pastor or the big name who's published a book. I really was trying to seek God in this, and it's it sounds it sounds almost counterintuitive to me that I would do that. Why pursue something that I'm not even sure if it if it exists, right? I can say it's only God. At the end of the day, it's all His initiative anyway. What he showed me though, um, all along the way, and you and I before we hit record, we're talking about God links, right? Um, I think that God, you know, God will show you evidences of himself, both when you're looking and when you aren't looking for him. And that's just the kindness and the goodness of God on display. That's him showing up and showing off in our lives. Right. And so for me, those were things um, you go back to the things that you know to be true. And so when I would see, like there was literally a time where I banged a fist. I'll write about it in the book, bang my fist on the table. And I'm like, God, if you are real, you're going to have to show yourself to me. Well, that was just a little brat, you know, stomping her (laughs) foot and saying, give me what I want. And what blows me away is that day he did. Now he's not going to do that for everybody, but in that day, I mean, I walked, I'm telling you minutes after I did that, I walked down to my mailbox. I have a long, at the time I had a really long winding drive. And I had this letter from someone who used to work in a, um, I was a preschool program director at my church, among other things. And, it was someone I hadn't talked to in years or seen, and it was this beautiful letter thanking me for my years of service to her family and her children. And the details that she remembered blew me away. And she pointed to the evidences in my life that she saw of Jesus. Jesus, And I couldn't remember, she was reminding me of things I had long forgotten. She actually died not long after writing that letter. She was ill. Um, I never got to see her again to thank her. It's person. like
0: three days after, right? You yeah.
1: It would oh uh you know, if it was I don't know that it was three days. Did I write that? I mean, I wouldn't have written anything other than what I knew to be true. So I don't hold that that particular point. Um well, I don't remember. But I the, I the, that
0: it was three days. Yeah. <laughs> it was very very soon after you got the letter though, It, it
1: definitely yeah. was. And so, but it was evidence of God saying, I see you. This listen, I am in you, I am part of your life. You know, I think the trauma of um, you know, life is hard, right? You lived a horrific trauma. You know, you know, your story is one. Um, and and I think what catapulted you into your doubt, the catalyst was um, the death of someone you loved and other, well, someone's that you cared about. And um, it can happen that quick, but it can also be a slow fade. Mine was a little bit different than yours. It wasn't an overnight slip. It was just this gradual, taking my eyes off of God slowly while I was still looking at him, but he wasn't the object of my affection. And so um, I think because he was giving me evidences of himself through what we call God winks, I ca- the, the chapter in the book is called lifelines. I would hold on to those things that I knew to be true. And then he gave me at the end of it, and this was the turning point in my life. It was a, it was I am not prone to visions. I don't hear from God audibly. But there was this moment where he gave me this picture of me at the end of my spiritual rope, just a literally that view of me holding on and getting to the knotted end and letting go of this rope to let go of it, to walk away from it, to walk away from the faith. And he reaches down and grabs my wrist and he's like, "Uh uh-uh, I gotcha. And I realized at that point it was a, a visual picture of who God is to all of us, and that is... He is faithful to all of us. It did not depend. His faithfulness isn't dependent um, or it's not a byproduct of my faith. And so in that, even though I still have a teeter-totter relationship with belief and doubt, um, I I know that he has manifested himself to me in a real way. His spirit is within me. And you know, Cole, this is what I want to tell the person who is in the pit, who was who is, is going back and forth themselves, that God can, you know, to reframe the way they're looking at that, not as an evidence that they are not saved or not as an evidence that they're walking away from the, the faith, but to think of it in terms, what if it is a bridge back to God? What if that, what if your unbelief is what God is using to draw you into a closer relationship to him, I mean, he does everything the backwards way. You know, his is upside down kingdom. It doesn't make sense that the last would be first and the first would be last. It makes perfect sense to me that it doesn't make sense, and so I rest. I'm crazy that way. Uh, I rest in the mystery of God, and so those are the things that you know. That was a turning point for me, but I have to just. I, I want to encourage people. It's not a perfectly solved mystery to me. You know, I still can't get my hands holy. W h o l l not H-O-L-Y, around it. Um, and I'm okay with that because I'm seeing how God actually uses my doubt to keep me tethered to him.
0: I think one of my favorite things that Barnabas writes in his book, and it it, it plays so well with what you're saying, is that we are finite beings trying to understand an infinite God. Exactly. And when you think about that, it's impossible to understand and know everything about God, and and I have mentioned this a couple of times on different interviews where we've talked about this topic, um, but one of the my favorite things that a pastor said that and this is something that has always stood with me, and it's 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 in the book that I'm writing. It's if you get to a point where you feel like you have understood everything about God that you that you don't need any more answers that you've understood everything there is to know about God, he's no longer God to you. Because part of God is that mystery that you don't know. And so, I mean, I, I assume you got to a very similar point like I did, where I, I basically had to decide, I don't know the answer to this. I can't know it. I shouldn't know it. And I and this quest for searching for that answer is leading me down a road that's going to end up futile. Like I just, I'm not going to find the answers. And so, um, you know, part of what I'm writing about is just this idea of like, the, you know, the the book is tentatively about being, you know, like being certain about things that you're uncertain about. Because I always, as a journalist, my, my nature has always been to find the answer to something, to find the, the root of it, to find the source. With this particular topic, it was driving me absolutely insane <laughs> to not know all the answers about God, to not understand everything about God. Well, you know what? Like I wasn't created with the ability to do that. Right. And I think as humans, we get this idea that we can conquer anything. Our brains are this monstrous thing that we can, you know, grasp all this information. Okay, we're not meant to be able to understand God. And I think for a lot of people, um, that is, some people who aren't in the faith, they can see that as it being a cop-out. And I know that when I've talked to friends who are either new to the faith, not as strong in their faith, or just not in the faith in general, that's kind of been their reaction, is like, "Well, well, you have an out if that's your answer. And I'm like, I don't see it as an out. I see that as the only way that I can possibly explain this and how I can possibly explain how the world works. And so, I mean, what did that process look like for you where you know, you kind of had to accept like you say you still deal with questions, you still deal with those emotions, but it's probably a lot different than it was when you were in the pit of it. And I don't know if you were like me where you just kind of got to the point and saying, I just don't understand and I can't understand, but I guess what, what was that process like to where you got to the point where you were finally content with these emotions and understanding that this is kind of how it just might just be?
1: You know, that is, it's one of my favorite scriptures in Isaiah, where he talks about, you know, my ways are higher than yours. And, and in that I rest. Okay. So I don't, I agree with what you're saying. In other words, that resonates so much with me that if our finite man minds could understand an infinite God, then why would we need him? I'm right there with you. And so for me, that's that's not a struggle for me. That is a resting place for me to rest in the mystery of that. For me, rather, it gives me great freedom. And I understand what you're saying, how people outside the church or, or nominal believers or those who are learning— would see that as an obstacle for me. It is a place of liberation to be able to yeah. let go because if, if we could explain God, why would we need him? That kind of thing.
0: And we so we need faith, either.
1: No, it's that's a whole. You know, faith is substance and evidence, though. But it's it's of what we don't see, of what we don't yet know. And so, and that is, um, can you imagine eternity? I mean, what's the purpose of eternity if it's not to discover the depth and and wealth of God forever? You know, it's not. I love positive. that. Yeah. In the here and now. And so for me, that is actually a source of comfort and rest and a a, pace, a place of peace, not to understand it because I, I, under, I, yes, would it be cool to know all the things? Yeah, but I mean, you know, it kind of started in the garden where we stopped, um, you know, where we see that that is not ours to know today. It doesn't mean it's not ours to know one day and maybe it is a forever thing. Maybe we'll never know all the things. But, you know, I, I go to, again, where am I looking for my answers? And, you know, scripture is our source to know God. That's how we get to see Jesus and know who he is. We get four different accounts of the man, you know, of Jesus through, through the gospel accounts of people who walked and talked and did life with him. And so that's what I want to know, right? That's, if I'm looking for an answer, what does the Bible say about God? And we get to see it most beautifully in the life of a man, but then also throughout the council of scripture, right? And so I don't want to look about who culture tells me God is or isn't or even necessarily the church in general. The church is in a really interesting season. There are a lot of things said that are maybe new thought, right? We're in a very much a transitioning culture. We're postmodern. And when you see, you know, if you look at um, studies, you know, all the Barna research, you know, strange things are going on in the church. And some of them are not great and some of them are great. And so, but I think if people arrive at a truer faith and can detach from the junk that's out there, you know, all that the next best thing. And again, you and I know the internet's noisy. It's easy to listen to path of least resistance to whatever someone's flinging online. Right. But we really, you know, there is a great call to look to scripture for the things that we're wrestling with because That that is our source of truth. We can go back to that to to rest in what scripture tells us. And that's why my book ends very heavy scripture, but it's all about identity. Who does God say we are and who does he say he is? Those at the end of the day, those are the things that matter. Those are the things that are those are the most real things.
0: Yep. And in those times of doubt, those are the truths that we need to hold tightest to. Because we often forget, those are the things that we forget know. whenever we're going through those things. Because we're so, at least in my experience, you know, feeling so, like everything is, it's not, I don't want to say self-centered, but we're only thinking about our emotions. Like for me, whenever I was going through, the the, the accident that catapulted um, my feelings happened about a month before I was planning to propose to my wife. Mm-hmm. And so I was going through this crazy wave of emotions where I, that, that happened literally the night before one of my best friend got, he got married. So I was at his wedding. This is the friend who was my, probably my longest friend. My friend since he was two years old. Okay. He got married on a Saturday night, went to sleep. Uh, Emily actually drove back down to Kentucky because her, our, our nephew was getting christened at church. And so she was in Kentucky. I was at home. I was getting up and, Having breakfast before church, when I got this text from my stepmother that told me what happened, and so I'm here getting ready to go to church, uh-huh. and and this happens to my former worship pastor, and I asked my my parents were on vacation, and I asked them, I said, how am I supposed to go to church right now? And my dad goes, how could you not go to church right now? And I was mm. like, okay, so you mm. know, I, when I went through that, like I I guess to kind of fast forward, I went through all the even in the height of happiness of going that I was going to propose to my wife, even in all, like, the height of the Christmas season. I was so focused on all I can think about is my emotions. All I can think about is my feelings and how I'm feeling so horrible and how I'm feeling so ang- anxious and all this kind of stuff. And I, for me, like I was forgetting those truths from the mm-hmm. Bible. And they, I was forgetting this is what God is telling me who I am. This is what God is saying. This is who God is saying He is. And you know, as I wrestled with those questions, it's just so easy for us to to forget those truths and so i I mean i i liked that you ended the book on that because you know at the end of the day like our story is our story but the most important part is that we're trying to turn people toward jesus and say look when you're going through this like the answer like for me i was i was trying to talk to pastor after pastor after pastor people were giving me books and and, that's all great stuff but if that's all that i was doing it was not going to Satisfy me. I needed to go to the Lord with these feelings. And so, I mean, I guess to kind of tie a bow around that idea, I, I just loved the idea that you finished the book with all that scripture because I think that's what ultimately we need to hear when we're in the pit of those moments.
1: You know, there are a couple of things that you said that you hit on that I'd love to speak to. And one of them is the issue of pain. Um, pain is, um, so useful in our lives for a couple of reasons. Uh, think about it. If, uh, my stove is on, I'm, I put my hand on it, I'm going to burn myself and it's going to hurt. And that yep. pain is going to inform that I need to do something. Something is not right. Right. Yep. And so I need to attend to the pain, but it also, the flip side of that is that pain does demand our attention. And when we're folk, listen, that sort of unexpected, unexpected, grievous, tragic loss is, painful and it demands a lot of attention and so your body so so the the good side is that there is something that needs to be addressed in that right but the downside of that is that it hurts it it is it's unimaginable hurt and so it can cause you to take your eyes off of of, of God, right? Because you're so absorbed with your, you were so, you can't get beyond the pain. You can't even look up to see God because you are so, um, your, your heart is so flooded with the, the pain of whatever that thing is. And I think that's when um, our enemy swoops in, you know, I, I say in the book, we have an enemy who is always and only against us and he is constantly thinking of ways to undermine this great relationship and the things that God has for us in this life to accomplish that are part of God's plan. Satan knows, he may not know, you know, he's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He's not all-knowing. And so, but he, we give him cues. We give him information. He knows the call of God. Is on our lives, right? So he'll do whatever he can to undermine it. And so he'll take that pain and he'll keep us in that pit. I'm convinced that there are, we do it to ourselves. We have help from an enemy, just the nature of our our broken, fallen, sinful world. We keep our eyes off of Christ. And so, you know, you can't, your feelings are real. We feel them. No wonder they demand attention. You know, both the good ones demand attention, but the hard ones demand attention. And so to I think it's only honest to acknowledge the pain and to feel the feelings, but also let your head inform your heart that feelings aren't reality, they aren't truth, they're feelings, they're emotions. That doesn't mean we don't have them, and and to try to dismiss them doesn't serve you, because it's not honest. You know, for you to step your feelings down, what purpose does that serve? Let them accomplish their work. And I mean, I think only a supernatural leading of the Holy Spirit can let them do the good work intended for you. And so we're we're not going to understand death, why it has to happen. You know, maybe if you live to an old age and it seems like a natural progression of your life, but a young person or family, you know, in such a senseless way, we aren't going to make sense of that. But God can use it ultimately to do a work that wouldn't have been accomplished otherwise. You know, I talk about in this, in in the book, um, I lost my mom when I was nine. You know, that that shouldn't happen. You know, you I
0: lost mine when I was 14. So, I, so yeah, I mean, I resonated with.
1: Yeah, yeah, that shouldn't have happened to us. But, you know, like this purple
0: bracelet that I'm wearing here is for the lupus foundation because my mother died of lupus. And so, mm-hmm. like, I like I, I I understood that when it happened because she was sick. I'm like, yeah. that's what happens. Like you are you have a disease, you die. And like you're saying, when it's a tragedy to somebody who devoted their whole life to serving the Lord, it doesn't make nearly as much sense.
1: It doesn't. And so what we have to trust is that what's, again, that's where if you don't go to scripture and see what the, what, what it would tell us about, about the nature and character of God, it tells us that he is good. Does that mean that that action was good? No, but God is good within that action. And, you know, our world is broken. It needs, it needs to be fixed. And our fix is Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, that's a lot of words to say. It's hard. It's okay to feel the feelings, you know, to try to lie and, and, and to, um, you know, kind of pull yourself, bootstrap yourself out of, bootstrap yourself out of those feelings doesn't serve anything because it's just, it's pushing them under the rug. Same way I deal with conflict. You know, I I say in the book that I'm a, um, a people pleaser and a peace keeper, not a peacemaker. We like to, you know, sweep things under the rug. And guess what that happens? You get a lumpy rug you're going to trip over. That doesn't serve us. So what is it that God can do within the context of my having lost my mom? Well, you know, it's made you very aware about lupus, about life. You probably value life in a different way. It made you stronger in ways. It taught you how to cope in some ways. Yes, you have some residual pain. You have scars. That was a deep wounding to lose your mama. But ultimately, yes, it was horrible. Yes, I wouldn't do anything if I could have my mom back and have had more years with her. But on the flip side of that, I got stronger through it. God did something in me through that loss. And so do I want to focus on the loss? No, I want to focus on what God did through the loss. And so, you know, I think people need to have permission to feel all of the feelings. They need to know that they don't have to have it figured out overnight. I think the best thing you and I can do or that I can do for you as a wanderer or for having gone through this season is to give you the permission and the space to do it, to get through it. It's, It's a journey. It's a walk. You know, it's just... It's a, it's a, a space and time that ultimately um, you aren't going to stay in that same, you aren't going to tread water in the same space forever. And so it's a great encouragement to know if to your person, to your listener, to your person who's viewing this video right now, if they're in this place, where they are today isn't going to be where they are a year from now. It's not going to be where they they always are. It feels like it. When you were in that grief, you didn't think you would ever recover from it. But you did, and you are, and it's a process. I mean, some people are lucky enough that it's, you know, God will do a healing work in us, and we never look back on it. But for most of us, it's a slow evolution, and he's working in the waiting. He's working in the wandering. I don't doubt that for a second.
0: And one thing that I love about your book is that you take this idea of wandering, and you bring it into different um just phases of your life, like different, it's not all, I mean, it's, it's all about wandering in general. Like it's about wandering, you know, in our faith and that kind of stuff, but you also relate it to different seasons of your life. And, And one of the things that I think resonates with me right now is the fact that, you know, you moved to a new town, you moved away from community, you moved away from a church home to a town where you didn't know anybody. And you talk about the struggles that you and your family went through during that and trying to find a church home and, Um, you know, how you build relationships, but a lot of times I kind of felt surface, like surface level relationships. And even though that my wife's family is here, we both went to college here in Bowling Green. uh, A lot of, you know, a lot of my connections when I lived here were people that I went to college with, they don't live here anymore. And a lot of Emily's friends don't live here anymore. And we've thankful we have a, a few friends here, but you know, I left a very good job, a very uh, good community of people that I worked with. I was, you mentioned in here in your book too, how you enjoy the kind of being highly regarded. That's kind of how I felt at my job as a teacher and a coach. And I had a good group of guy friends. My family was there. It was very hard, at least for me personally, to move down to Bowling Green. And I know that it was hard for Emily to live there because she didn't know anybody. But then even now that we are both here in Bowling Green, we don't have a whole lot of community like we used to. You know, like a lot of our friends are gone as well. And so we have felt that struggle of trying to get plugged in at church, trying to meet new people. We have felt like wanderers socially in this, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a new town, but it's a new situation than we both were used to when we lived here. And we were fortunate that, you know, we already had a kind of a church home set up the church that she was going to. um, Actually, the pastor from that church is the one that married us. And we've already got some friends that go there. And her family's here. So there's a lot of things that we're happy to have in place that other people don't have when they move to a new town. But we still felt like wanderers. And I did that, that the part of your book, where you talk about that phase of your life, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that go through that, where they move to a new town, whether it's for a job or with their family, and they're struggling to find that sense of community and that sense of, of belonging. Um, I guess you know, if people want to know all the specifics, they should read the book. But I guess <laughs> kind of summarizing, what was that? What was that process? What was that period of your of your life like? And how did you? How did your relationship with the Lord look during those years?
1: So as you, as you point out, we left a a thriving community. Now, that being said, there were some hard things that had happened, not necessarily as a part of that community, um, but just a series of circumstances that made us want to move, but also my husband's job, you know, was the ultimate reason, but I was ready because of the things that had happened. And so you move to a place and whereas I had been given some great advice not to try to recreate the church experience I had because we had been in that church 14 years. I had worked there for 10 years. We were big fish in a little sea, and it was good stuff, right? um, Very full life, very. um, We were all in it together. And so they had given me the great advice not to recreate church the same way. And so that was on my radar. What wasn't on my radar was why couldn't we um, create community the same way? And so, um, we did all the things that we had known to do, and they weren't working the same way. Now that's not to say that we were without friends. We did have friends. And that's why writing this part of the book was so hard for me because I still have people I love. I saw one of the um, you know, one of my best friends I've seen in the past couple of weeks recently, and who's still in um, Tennessee. And so it wasn't it's not a matter of not having people that you love or that you learn to care about or that part of you but this sense of doing life together wasn't materializing. We were trying, um, and what I missed, and it actually didn't make this was one of those things that did, did not make the book. I eventually began, uh, came to a point where I pieced together what our community had been, and that was in the lives of my children. Um, I was, I had always wanted to be the home that was the home that kids flocked to, and I got to be that in that season and that's not in the book. So you're getting a, you're getting an extra there. Um, you know, <laughs> exclusive, it was probably, yeah. yeah, exclusive, new, you know, behind the scenes or bon- bonus content is what we're looking at <laughs> um, right here on in no yep. hurry podcast. Um, there, go. there you go. But um, I wasn't blooming where I was planted. You know, there were people right in front of me that I was serving and loving and actually in community with, and I had missed it, but what that does to your faith is it it uh, people we need people in our lives and i think it's so wise for you and emily to see this that you need that that it is a void in your life in the ways that you long for it because what we lacked and what we missed even though we had a church type community they were not people who were pointing us to jesus and listen marriage is hard life is hard you're going to um you will find in marriage that there will be times where you don't like each other very much or you might fight or be out of sorts with one another. And what is so precious about community and doing life together is having people who remind you of truth, who remind you of the best choices, who, who point you to Jesus. And so for me, I was floundering and I was looking to other things to fill the void that a faith community wasn't doing. Now I do think, and I think this is important and I don't know that I ever made more bonus content for in no hurry podcast. Um, is that I think, I think, and maybe you might want to look at, I love helping people reframe the way they're seeing a circumstance. So this is what this is, is, um, you know, two cents for you, is that God sometimes I think allows us to go or to exist or to experience a stripped down life. And what I mean by that is he strips away the things that we are clinging to that are not him. And so yeah. for me, I was clinging to community because community people, a people group satisfied something in my heart and life that was really only intended for God. Now, I don't think I ever really looked at community as an idol, but like I'm having this realization right here in this conversation that that probably was an idol, also an idol of mine. I named plenty of idols in the book. I didn't name community (laughs) as having been an idol. Um, My blog became an idol, my writing, what I was trying to accomplish in that season. Um, And this was in the season of trying to find community. Well, there was a void in that and I was clamoring and it just happened to be my blog that I latched onto. It can be anything. You know, it can be our kids. We can live through our kids. We can live through a spouse or boyfriend. We can live through our jobs. We can find our validation, our self-worth, our identity, and all of those things, all of those things. And so if there is a stripping away of something and I, and i sense this in and you know maybe in this season in your lives right now what does god want to reveal about himself to, to you how does he want to fill that that particular void in your life listen god made us to be in community he is a triune god from the beginning let us make man in our own image you know he was he was the the father son and holy spirit were present at creation and so we're made in his image we're made for community he desires that for us but he also wants us ultimately to find our satisfaction in him first and so you know if you can um it's something i didn't get i didn't understand that when i was living it but i think it all contributed to why i was you know walking around in the desert thank god for not for 40 years (laughs) but for a long long time it's because i was looking for things to Replace that that need in my life. It's the need for community is a good thing. It's God given, but has it become you know Is it too important? Is God wanting to do some kind of really cool work in your life to help you get to a, a higher level of maturity with Him? And I think that might be the case. I, I mean, you know, I sense such a earnestness in you, um, and I'm sure for your listeners, you know, they're looking for something. And what are they filling their lives with that that isn't God? You know, I don't know. I, there are a lot of answers to that. There's not a single answer.
0: Yeah, and what you're saying it hits it hits so true with me because when I look back at my life a year ago, it is so different now, and it's in so many ways. I mean, this year I was reminded yesterday um, of a very very stressful day uh, that I had as a teacher last year, um, and the same thing happened again this year where they had to eliminate positions. And I was worried at that point that it was going to be me on that same day. I was really, really nervous about a yearbook deadline that I had coming up. I was uh, the, t- the tennis season was starting and it was just so much going on. And I was texting my old boss about this yesterday. And I said, I- I'm at a coffee shop, like preparing for a podcast interview tomorrow. That's what I'm doing now versus like last year whenever I was so crazy busy. And so I do think about how my life right now, is insanely less busy than it was a year ago. And I have not thought about it the way that you're explaining it, but like, I guess in a a way I have, but I've never really pondered it. But like, there's gotta be a reason why, like, you know, I I don't have, I don't have the same amount of friends here in Bowling Green that I did in Evansville. I don't have the same amount of obligations, responsibilities, things to keep me occupied. And it's kind of like God saying, what are you gonna do at that time now? Are you gonna find ways to waste it still? Or are you going to, spend time with me and grow this relationship that I want to have with you and so I, I you're convicting me right right here on the spot I never I've never thought about it that way but I think it's so true and I think it's not just about me I think anybody listening you know we go through these periods of life where we're so insanely busy. And we get so caught up. What do I need to do today? What do I need to do? And that's why I've been so thankful. Like, honestly, that's why I came up with this name for this podcast in no hurry. Like, because we're always in this crazy season of life. And it's like, how do we just slow down and focus? And it's really ironic. Like, you yeah, I'm having all these revelations as you're talking to me too. Like, I sat for two months trying to think of a name for this podcast and something hit me where I finally this idea came and it's like, maybe God's trying to tell me something just in the name of my own podcast. I don't even know. Wow. But like, I was very grateful that there were several books that came out back in the fall that were about that subject of hurry and hustle and, uh, you know, trying to slow down and that kind of stuff. And I think it's just so true that we live in this busy, fast paced world where we always got to feel like. What's the next person doing? Like, or what what are we doing next? Like, who who can I talk to? Like, I even noticed this with my students. They didn't even want to be present at events at school or in class. They wanted to be talking to their friends. And we're just always crazy thinking about everything else going on rather than just being present. So I just, I think that's so much truth there. And it's not really just about me. I think anybody listening, they can resonate with that where, you know, they are leading a busy life. And, you know, whether their faith is struggling or not, maybe their relationship with their Lord is struggling or not. They are, you know, trying to fill that void with things that are not Jesus.
1: I think that busyness can be one of culture's greatest idols, especially in season. There are seasons like, as you described that particular season. There, you know, as many listeners, listeners as you have, they probably have their own version of what busy is. And I don't remember. I don't think I necessarily named that as an idol, but I think just you find value in busyness. It, it somehow it validates life mm-hmm. because every second is accounted for. And so I think, you know, our culture is a mile wide and an inch deep. And what if God is calling you and specifically, you know, the youth who are listening to a greater depth and less breadth, you know, to go deeper with him and to go deeper into the things that he is calling you to, you know, he has given you gifts. He's given you this desire to write your book in your case and to do life differently. Go deep with those things. And, you know, what if you, and that is so countercultural. You know, I think people, um, people are hurting because they aren't going deep. You know, it's, yeah. we have all these friends on the internet, but what was it? I, I don't remember how many Facebook friends I have. And I'm like, I don't know that many people. They are. (laughs) not And it's not that I mean that unkindly, you know, there's that universal call to love. Right. But they aren't the people who are going to bring me chicken soup when I'm not feeling well, you know. And so I need to cultivate depth with the people who God has placed right in my life today. And that can mean a lot of different. Whoops. A lot of different things for us. Right. And I think we need to be attentive to that. I mean, just listening to you, I think we don't need to gloss over that. We need to think about that. That's a great. You know, that whole series of um, ideas that you said and that we're talking about are so important.
0: Yeah, I got to have, uh, do you know who Amanda Carpenter is? She's an author, she lives in Chicago. Do you um, know her? But I got to have her on very early on when I started this podcast, right around Christmas time. And we were talking about this idea because she wrote a, a devotional called Space. And that the whole idea of that, that devotional was creating space in your life. For God and to do the things that you want to do, and the, the idea of saying, being like, it's okay to say no, and yeah. just creating that space, and and I just, you know, she she said something like, um, it's it's on it's on the little shameless plug here. If you go follow In No Hurry podcast on Instagram, there's a video of her where she's talking about this. It says something like, your being with God has to outweigh your doing with God oh, or you're doing beautiful. at all, and and she basically is saying, you know, like y- you can't sit here and do, 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 you know, all this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden feel like, wonder where your relationship with the Lord is going. It's because you're filling your time with all this stuff. And, and something that she said in that podcast as well was, it's like four or five years ago, there was this idea that like you had to go, go, go all the time, doing as much as you could produce, do everything that you could, you know, be productive. Like, like you said, saying busy was like this mark of honor. Well, now it's like, it's funny because like, her devotional, and then um, all, all of those books that I was mentioning that came out about hustle and hurry. Yeah. Like, it's like five years later, we're kind of like, okay, hold on. We've gone way too hard. We need to step back and relax and just like be like, like you said, we're human beings, we're not human doings. And I, yeah. I, I've heard that so many times. And I love that idea. Cause it's like, we're just so like, people tell you, how was your day? Oh, it was good. I stayed busy. Like, Why is that good? Why is that all of a sudden like that's (laughs) That's what you want to strive for is to be busy. Like I'm not saying that you you want to be a bump on a log, but if you're filling every single second of your day with something, that's not necessarily a good thing because even even God rested and we're called to rest and we're called to have that time. To, to be who we are and be with the Lord and not just do something every day of the week. And mm-hmm. I mean, I just, and I struggle with that. I struggle with setting a Sabbath. My wife is very good about it. And I just, I struggle with it because I'm so kind of like what you, what you talked about, like we're so en- engaged to these phones and the, the dopamine rush that oh. we get from all of that. It's, it's hard to say no to that. It's hard to turn it out because we kind of get this FOMO like, well, if I take my time away from my social media for a day, what am I gonna miss out on? Who's gonna be contacting me that I can't respond right away? I mean that's like that's what I go through. And yeah. it's so wrong to think of it that way, but that's kind of how we're conditioned here in 2020 Western culture.
1: I think, you know, for anyone who's listening, including you and me, we need to listen to this advice. We're we're shoveling. Um <laughs> I think it serves us well to walk away from it. Um and in part I mean part of my life is social, the, so, the online world was pretty toxic for me for a while. And for six years, I backed out of it. Like when I had the opportunity to write this book, I'd all but stopped blogging. And I have not written a whole lot online um, since starting the book. And even before that, because it wasn't the healthiest space for me, that's not to say that it's not healthy for other people. For me, it took my eyes off the prize, you know, the most yep. important thing. And so um, I know that and I have to steward my online time really carefully now because I don't want to get sucked back into it. Because once you get liberated from it, I, I tell people it's like a recovering um, smoker. I've, I've heard this. I don't know because I'm not a smoker, but I've heard that a recovering smoker is impossible to be around if you smoke because they are the worst critic of a smoker. Yeah. Um, but, and so and I'm that way with social media, it's like if to go back into it, it's almost a, a trigger for me, right? But yeah. I also want to steward the work of this book and the message of this book because at the end of the day, God gave me good work. You know, and he, he, I got to do this for his glory. And so I want to honor him and the work of it. So it's, it's a, it's, it's a careful line. But I think people who manage their social, their online lives well are going to be set apart from other people and they are going to do more that counts, you know, because they are focusing on the things that matter most.
0: Yeah.
1: So let's
0: do it, man. why, Why do we, why do we struggle so much with that identity though? Like that's what I, I mean, that's, Personally, I mean, like, why do like I wrote about this uh, a few weeks ago um, on my own website, but like we, you know, everything that we do online has a number attached to it, and it tells you, hey, this has so many likes. And for me, it's like that's easy to say. That's what my worth is. My worth is x amount of likes because I, for instance, like say I post something about my podcast, okay, and it gets a handful of likes, not you know, and I'm expecting a whole lot more. Well, that can lead me to the whole day feeling like, well, what I just produced wasn't good enough and it wasn't nobody liked it. Nobody enjoyed it. And I was guilty of very early on in this podcast process being very discouraged by that and mm. allowing that to to affect like to the point where I told my wife, I said, I don't know if I should keep doing this. I don't know if anybody's listening. Like, am I wasting my time doing this? And this was like this actually wasn't that long ago. It was like at the start of the new year. And it was right around that time that uh, I, you know, was able to get plugged in with several other people to have them on my show, and it kind of picked up a little bit of attraction. I mean, I'm, it's not like I'm getting a bunch of listeners that I didn't already have, but it's like I was struggling with this idea of like, you know, I, I'm putting my identity in this product that I'm creating, and so that what I wrote about on my website was if you're creating something and that's what I love about this podcast is that it's kind of all about the mix of faith and creativity and how God has given this, given us this ability to create. And whenever you get to create like that's beautiful, it's like, that's one of the best things that you get to experience. If you're able to create something and you do it for the Lord, like that's one of the best experiences. And I was struggling with the numbers that were attached to Mm -hmm. it. And my identity was coming into that and social media was such a problem. And that's why I made the decision deleting all my notifications because I don't want to be like I don't want to. If if I feel extremely, like, for instance, you and I are having a great conversation, okay? If I put po- if I post about this conversation and maybe in my mind I have this expectation of how many people are going to like this conversation, and whatever it turns out to be is less than that, why should I allow that to discourage what I feel like I got from this conversation and what I feel like I'm bringing to people? And that's not just and it's not just about me, but anybody that's creating something or doing anything for the Lord, like just do it because the Lord has given you that ability. Don't do it because you want the attention or that you want the clout for it or that you want, you know, the validation. And that's something that I've struggled with. But I've been, And like you said, there were some things in your book you were embarrassed to write about. I was very nervous to write about that because it's basically saying, yeah, I'm insecure and I am just like anybody else and want to have attention. And it's very hard to say that. But the truth is, like, the more that you bring that out in the open, the more people are going to say, you know what, struggle with that as well. And... Uh, what's funny is that that article was published by Relevant, and um, I actually – there was a, a a band that contacted me, and they were like, hey, we saw your article. Um, we'd love to be on your show. And so they're actually – like they've been, they, I interviewed them for this podcast. And so I'm like, wow. God is doing some crazy things that I don't even understand sometimes. And right. that's – going back to what we talked about earlier, I just yeah. don't even understand half the things that he's doing, and I have to just be okay with that.
1: Yeah, the good and the ones that are hard. I, I love the ones that are kind of awesome like that. But it's I mean, it's a reality. It's 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 a crazy. Our social world is a crazy world. We're so connected and let and yet. So lonely, So <laughs> all of, that's a whole nother that's conversation, true. isn't it? Whew, that's yeah. crazy.
0: <laughs> I know you got to talk to Andy Downs and you were in Nashville and, and, yeah. I, and my wife and I are such big fans of her. And she's talked about I mean, She's been open on her podcast before talking about how she finds her identity something like she she's been very open about how you know she struggled with loneliness and how it's like she wants to meet a guy to, to to marry like she's been very open about that and she says like she struggles with like co- you know communicating with men as like a form of filling that loneliness void and yeah. i think like you know it's just p- people like her with a very influential voice speaking about that i think is incredibly helpful because it just tells people like like you got to address the problem and that's the only way that you're going to get past it. And so, um, yeah, anybody that's listening that struggled with that, like, one, it's normal to feel that way. But two, you know, bring those problems. Talk to somebody about that. Bring those problems out. And, you know, your again, your identity is not in your Instagram or your Twitter or Facebook mm-hmm. or any other social media. Your, your identity is found in who God says you are, and he says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And it's, I mean, it's so hard for us as humans to remember that, but my it's goodness, it's the truth.
1: You know, and I will tell you, you made me think about this. Um, I'm just started a study in First John, and it and the parallel about Jesus is light is all about um First John, First John one, yeah. And when you think about, you bring those things that are in the inner places of your heart, you know, the dark places of your heart or your mind or your psyche or whatever, and and put them and, and shed a little light on them, shed Jesus on them, it totally flips. How significant those things are to you, but if all you're focusing on is the numbers or the accolades or the um, your value in that, that it's going to stay dark because it's. But just expose it to Jesus, and He will tell you. I mean, look at who He says you are. And one thing that I think, you know, this whole just to kind of bring this back to wandering and 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 how that can even shift us into a season of doubt or unbelief because we're starting to believe the things about us that are not true because we aren't listening to who God says we are. Is that? It blows me away. And, you know, as I was writing this book to really discover um, how God is for me. We see that in Romans. Um, There's a great, my book ends with a scripture from Psalms about God is for me. Right. And he is praying for me. He's praying for my return. He's praying for your return. When we're on this winding, wandering road, he's praying for us. And there is an expectation That we return, and when we do, we get to strengthen our brother. I mean, that's a conversation between Peter and Jesus, but it applies to us, too. Jesus is interceding for us. He is with us in our doubt, whether it's self-doubt and understanding who we are in light of who he is. If it is just in the tension of belief and unbelief, he is for us. He has a call on us. Our salvation doesn't go away because we don't know what to believe today. God is interceding for us, and he has an expectation that when we return, we can strengthen someone else, and that's all you're doing by doing this podcast, and that's what I'm getting to do through this book in this season.
0: Yeah. I feel like we could spend all day talking about this. This is just such great stuff. I mean, like, I I really hope, I mean, I really hope people that are listening do pick up this book, because, you know, you're getting a snippet of the book by this conversation, but there's so much more in this book that we haven't even touched on, and so, um, yeah, you know, I just guess I where you know this is obviously available on Amazon. It's available. Can they buy it from your website or where, where can people find this book?
1: Um, anywhere books are sold online. I would love them to visit my site. It's robindance.me, not robindance.com, not robindance.net, robindance.me. It's also my-
0: your Instagram as well. Yeah, has That's to be they my can, Instagram. I guess they can follow you there as well.
1: Yeah, I would yeah. Love to get a follow on Instagram, and it's Robin B Dance on Facebook, my author page.
0: All right. So, so one of the questions that I always like to ask people, um, kind of toward the end of the show is, and there's probably so much you could answer this question with, but I mean, what have you learned about God lately? And I guess the last season of your life, however you would define the last season of your life, what have you learned about God?
1: Well, the, the biggest thing is that his faithfulness, I mean, I hate to repeat the theme of the book, but that his faithfulness has nothing to do with mine. Right. Um, the other thing is just how kind and present he is in the little things. And I'll give you a fun example. You mentioned Annie. And so that's just on my mind. Um, I was with her just this Wednesday of this week when we we're, we we're recording this and, um, her office was busy. It was a hubbub of people and a lot of, um, activity going on. And I happened to overhear an exchange between Annie and someone who was in her office and they mentioned a person's name. Okay. And and I said, what did y'all say? You know, I just totally, you know, rammed into that conversation and they told me who they were talking about. And I said, I know him because they were trying to It's someone they want on their podcast. And they looked at me and I said, well, wait a second. I don't actually know him, but he is a dear friend of a dear friend. And I know his story and I know why they would have wanted to have him on the podcast. It was for a, a very specific reason. And so how random that I just happened to be there when two people were having a conversation and they mentioned a name Of a person I don't actually know, but I know his story through my dear friend. And the next day I'm able to make that connect. I'm able to get his personal telephone number and pass it along. And so I said, God is so good. He just shows up in the weirdest places. You know, you can call it coincidence. I call it a God wink. It's a lifeline. Those little things are evidences of God noticing us, loving us, loving us no matter what in all our crap and, you know, and all our doubt and all of our sin. He died for us when we're in sin. So there is nothing that can separate us from his love. So in this season, I think I'm just seeing over and over and over and over again of how, listen, child, when you follow me, I'm good. I give you good things. It's not all going to be fun or perfect, but I'm present with you, even in the hard stuff. I love you no matter what. And I want you. I mean, I'm really seeing that. This book has really been a great demonstration of God's kindness to me and the way he redeems broken things.
0: That's great. One of the other questions I always finish with, um, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier too, but you know, the podcast, it's called In No Hurry. And so we've talked about trying to create, you know, ways to to not be in such a hurry. So I always like to ask people too, I mean, what do you do to, to just slow down whenever your life is crazy, and you're busy, and you, you want to just kind of slow your life down, whether that's to, you know, get time with the Lord or to do other things that maybe you haven't had time to do. I mean, what do you, what's kind of your go-to way to to slow down a little bit in your life?
1: I think th- this might sound like the opposite. I like to go somewhere that is out of my routine. So just a different place uh, intentionally going to a place that's not the same as everything else takes you out of the rut. It takes you out of the rat race and it just gives you a different perspective, literally, metaphorically, physically, spatially, Um, so just to be in a a place that is not common.
0: All right. Well, Robin, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing about this book. If you're listening to this, please make sure you go pick up a copy for all that, for all who wonder, not that I almost said that for all who wonder why knowing God is better than knowing it all by Robin Dance. And this is one of my favorite books I've read in a long time. And I hope that people that are going through this period of life, um, can pick up this book and that it'll resonate with them. Because it, it very, like I think I told you very early on, it felt very much like you were writing directly to me. And I think, mm. you know, for a lot of people, they, when they read a book like this, um, you know, they they obviously read it kind of with the context of their own life in mind. And it, it's kind of the same way you mentioned, like you heard sermons that felt like they were related to you. Oh, yeah. You know, I think same way we, you know we do that with sermons and books whenever we're going through something it's like oh well, that resonates with me here so i'm hoping that people that are going through this period of their life can pick up this book and and it resonate with them as well so thank you for coming on and sharing a little bit more about this book giving us some behind the scenes stuff that <laughs> oh, in yeah, the well. of,
1: yeah for and no hurry podcast listen cole this has been great thank you for inviting me into your little corner of the internet um i look forward to engaging with your readers and maybe i can come back another time i'd love to
0: y'all we could have kept going for another hour for real so we definitely will have to get robin back on the podcast sometime soon but i really hope you guys enjoyed that i really hope you guys are encouraged by the truths that she talked about and please pick up this book i cannot recommend it enough If you want to read my full review of this book, it's on my website. I'll also have it linked in the show notes. So please make sure you go check that out. But I obviously love this book and cannot recommend it enough. Please make sure you guys go pick up a copy of it. And please make sure that you give Robin a follow on social media. Her social media accounts will be in the show notes as well. Please make sure that you let her know that you enjoyed hearing her on this podcast. If you need me at all, you can give me a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Cole Claiborne. I would love to connect with you guys there. Also, give the Instagram for the podcast a follow, In No Hurry Podcast on Instagram. You can also send me an email, in no hurry at coleclaiborne.com. I'd love to chat with you there as well. But thank you so much for listening this week. Hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. And we'll see you next week.